Top Deck Podcast. I'm Jesse Green with Jimmy Smith. Hey there, how's everybody doing? I hope everybody had a great week and I appreciate, I know Jimmy does too, everyone who supported us with that first episode, man. We had a blast recording it and we're excited to keep this journey going. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. So we decided that we were going to go to an FM last Friday um, to Fort Walton Beach. I, by the way, haven't played an FNM in probably two years. So it was me, you, our buddies Josh, Noah, and Zach. And Zach, I don't think, played an <laughs> FNM in like three years. Yeah. Uh, Josh is playing off and on. I haven't really played like in a bigger FNM in probably like, what, three years or yeah. so. And so we went over there, and I was like, I'm going to run this bent deck. You ran the bent deck, but we changed some things because we wanted to see how it would go in testing. Zach was just like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Here, just give me mountains and yeah. I'll just dump yeah. people. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks to the shop because every time I go over to that shop, man, the players are cool. They got some good people over there and it seems like it's ran very well. Oh, definitely. It is TBS and Fort Walton Beach. If any of you guys ever have a chance to go by there, definitely stop in. Everybody everybody in there is very inviting, very nice. We, we really enjoy ourselves every time we go over there. They got drinks, they got snacks, they have singles if you need them, and the rounds are always like straight up on time. There's nobody playing around. Like They have it super organized. So I love Arena Comics here, too. It's our local shop in Panama City, but if you're out of town, TBS Comics, I've always had a good experience there. So speaking of FNM, you sleeved up the Bant Flash deck, our Bant mid-range, right? Yep. And Jimmy went top top eight. So I lost my winning end to go into top eight. So I guess we'll stop start with me since I scrubbed out. Um. We, we were laughing about it on the way over there of who's going to get to see the mountains first. <laughs> and as soon as I sat down, my opponent said, mountain, and let me hit you for one. <laughs> and I just like yelled out, I'm the first guy to see the mountains. And he goes, yes, you are. <laughs> and I got beat 2-0 on that yeah, one. It, it is a rough matchup for um, the Bant mid-range deck. The mono red deck just gets underneath it and... There's not too much life gain. Eventually, they just kind of burn you out. You kind of you got to put a clock on them while kind of disrupting them at the same time. Well, in like game two, I felt like I had a pretty good game plan as we talked about it. Um, and I finally got the board where it was going to be in my advantage to turn the corner. And like he top decked the Chandra into an experimental frenzy. And it was pretty much over yeah. after that. Um, game two, or round two, I played against like a Simic mid-range deck. And that's where the play errors started to happen for me. Um, I won pretty handily the first game. And then the second game, I should have won, I believe. And the board state just started going crazy on us. Like, there was so much stuff going on because Hydro Crisis were flowing, flying everywhere. And I got... <laughs> mesmerizing vent hit on me. I think that's how you say it. So I had zombie tokens out and the dude... Vigilant zo zombie yeah, vigilant tokens. zombies. And the dude played this guy and I was attacking in and he blocked with his illusions and he's like, they're tapped down. They don't untap till next turn. Well, FNM, we're rolling. I didn't read the card. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't read the card. So, I tap my dues down, um, and then we keep on playing, keep on playing, and the game goes to time, and I had a time wipe in my hand, and the board state was, I mean, the board state was everywhere, man. We had creatures everywhere. We were missing, I'm sure both of us were missing things, and new cards, and stuff like that, and I time wiped, and forgot that I had a deputy detention on the battlefield with an ooze underneath it, and so... We drew that round. And we'll go on the segment of Pun of the Week a little bit later, and we'll talk about more of that. And then I played Gruel the next round and won 2-0. -oh. 
Then I played Esper, 1-2-0. Played Esper again, 1-2-0. And then my winning end was against Esper, and it went to game three. And I just kind of got out-tempoed, man. Like, I, I drew the wrong side of the deck, which I think can happen in that matchup. Yeah. And he kind of took off with Thieves, where we really didn't have an answer for Thief, I don't think, in the 75. Thief is re- really, really hard to deal with. From my experience playing with the deck, if somebody lands a lands a thief you're in danger danger more than danger they're yeah. they're, they're gonna be taking like to fairies from you yes. uh vivians your mystics. counter spells mystics like it like they're hitting gas oketras i mean all kind of stuff so unfortunately i lost game three for the winning end um but i think bouncing like one thing that i was proud of myself that i've been trying to work on man is like the games that you think you should win and something happens or like I'm super hard on myself. Like, I'm harder on myself than anybody else. And so, a lot of other, like, when I was younger, I might go on tilt there and not bounce back. Whereas in this FNM, and it was pretty competitive. There's, like, what, 50 players there, maybe? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's quite I a I was few. able to get my mindset back and, like, get in the mode of, okay, let's start playing some real magic here. And I think you, you saw it in me after that round. Like, yeah, after the, after the Nexus round, the, the blue green deck. That deck was kinda... like, like I, I was like, I had was just going through the motions. And I was like, you know what? I'm just playing bad. I got to stop playing bad. This is not how you get better. And so I turned it on, and I was happy with my finish. I mean, after all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about what happened with you at FNM. So the first round, I played against Grixis mid range, and so were they playing like the Planeswalker boluses and stuff too? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they were playing both. It really just seemed like, you know, a lot of hand disruption, uh, removal spells. It, it was kind of like your basic mid-range packet. But I, I like Vamp Flash against Grixis mid-range. Yeah, yeah I mean, Vivian and Teferi are just so strong against them. And we got to test a little bit to see that matchup before we went over there because Josh was playing that deck. Yeah. So I think I like the Vamp Flash deck in that matchup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, round two, I played against the Mirror, the... Um, the Bant mid-range mirror. I we went to game three. Jesse and I put kind of the mirror breaker card in the sideboard, and it turned out to be way, way, way better than we thought it was going to well, be. Well, let's talk about that card because we were talk we were trying to get you a sideboard put together. Yeah, and I was kind of just like, you know how I am, man. I go on the gatherer. I start just looking at different cards all the time. Like I want to know what every card in standard is. I just have this problem where. Late at night, I can't sleep. I'm going to go on together and just see what's out there. Like, can I build a wizard's deck? Can I build this deck? Can I do this? You know? Um, and I stumbled upon a guy who was playing the Bant Flash deck, and he put this card in there. And I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I totally forgot about this card. Me too. And I did too. I was like, we got to try this out. It might be better for what we need it for. Um, so the card that we're talking about is Tossumer. And if you don't know it, it is a five mana creature. Two green, a white, and two colorless. Whenever it comes out into play, you create a green, white, white legendary wolf. And that wolf proceeds to fight another creature. And you gain three life, by the way. Yeah, and it, especially in the Bant Mirror, Bant Midrange Mirror, where the interaction isn't, they don't have a ton of interaction with you, except really like deputy detention. And yeah. the guy had my deputy underneath his deputy so when i played when i play when i played the chick i toss him her friend of wolves friend of wolves yes i played it fought the wolf with his deputy got my deputy back and then took i think two growth chamber guardians it was it was insane it was really really good and really like, good it's kind of like jimmy and i were talking before where we played in the siege rhino standard and unfortunately this thing's legendary and it's probably good that it is to be honest with you because it'd be everywhere but this is like a siege rhino almost man like it's coming down for six for five mana you're getting a six six and two bodies you're fighting and you're gaining life so i mean it's pretty strong i've actually the right matchups and i think going forward i think we've actually put that in the main deck of the Bant deck. It's just too good and and the matchups it's good in. And against control, it's just two bodies. You know, it's not that bad against control. Um, Oketra is good, 
but I think the bag's out. Yeah. Like, like no, I people agree. know it's I coming agree. now. Um, what was your round three? Round three was against a mono green Nissa deck. And that I'll, deck looked sweet. Yeah, bro. it did. It did. It looked really, really cool. This this guy, uh, he definitely just kind of built it. He told me he just built it the day of FNM, but it was a really, really sweet deck. He found a way to just like power out Nissa with the um, with just mana ramp spells, and then he was playing Sylvan Awakening. So he ulted Nissa on me. First of all, he ultimate ultimated her really quickly by. That creature that says whenever a land comes into play, uh, uh, proliferates. Uh, uh, evolutionary stage. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. Um, uh, only reason I know that is because I've been trying to brew with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I had another turn before Nissa ulted, and I did not. And then he untapped, ulted, and played Sylvan Awakening after he went and got all his forest, and they were untapped. So it was kind of funny because. After, I was sitting there watching the board state like through the window because like at TBS they have the window and if you're at the top table there, people outside can watch it somewhat. And you came out and I was like, hey, was he playing Sylvan Awakening? Yes, he was. I was yeah. like, oh, I kind of knew it because I think a while back, like what, like a month or two ago or like when Nissa was spoiled, I was like, there might be like a ramp deck with that Sylvan Awakening card, yeah. man. Because... I ain't gonna lie, I, I traded in some wild cards for Sylvan Awakening on Arena like a while back because I'm like, for three mana, you get all your lands to be two twos? Yeah, it, it was. Indestructible haste? It was pretty cool. Um, How did that match go? Was it like a 2 1 or. Um, 2 1, yes. So you got it 2 1, and it went to time too, didn't it? No, or no. Close it, to it? No, it didn't um, go to time. That was the. The Esper deck that All right. I so that. so that was a sweet deck, man. I don't know if that did that dude make top eight. No, no, no. he didn't. I he wish you, just I wish to tune it up some. Yeah, definitely. I have on Arena been seeing a Nissa deck running around that seems pretty good. I think it just needs to find the right shell. It's a powerful card. What about uh? So round four. Round four, Esper Control. This is just. It's just one of those matchups, man. Um, I think I ended up taking a draw that round. It just goes so long. And when you play cards like Hydroid Crisis, and they're playing cards like Thief of Sanity and Teferi, Big Teferi, and the games just go on a really, really long time. I think that's probably one of the things that's kind of swaying me away from playing this deck this weekend is that you just get into these matchups. That it's just the boards just get so clogged and... When both players are doing like Hydroid Crisis back and forth, I mean, it's just so great. And I just don't really like playing decks like that too much. I like like the flash aspect of, you know, the Bant deck. But once it gets to be everybody just exchanging Hydroid Crisis, then it's just not fun anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I went to time two times, I think, that night. Um, yeah. And I already knew when they were – I knew when it was going to happen, man. Like, the the, the green mid midrange mirror just takes forever. And since I missed, made some misplays there, that's why that went to time. So that shouldn't have really went to time. But Esper Control, like I went to time one time. I won the match, but I had the hand where it was the the, the Druid. And then I didn't really have Planeswalker hand. And the dude thought erased me. And I said, I told him up front, this is going to be a long match. Because I didn't have the the pieces to tempo him out. you know. Yeah. And, he didn't, and he doesn't have the pieces to kill me. So I already knew it was going to be a long match there. Um, and then before we even went to the tournament, you know, there was talk about how the Bant mid-range deck was like the Kryptonite to Esper or something like that. Like it was a great matchup. I think Bant's probably favored somewhat. It's not by much, But though. it's not like 60-40. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't think – like game one might be favored way more, you know, more. But going in the sideboard, they know what's coming now. Like that's the thing about Bant, like – we were playing Bant on Arena for a long time. Whenever I got up to, I was ranked top 600 on Mythic, okay? I started with Bant. Well, all of a sudden, some lists started popping up. The cat was out of the bag then. Like, Bant is a color combination that is hard to stay in the meta. Because it doesn't have the hand disruption. It's short on removal sometimes, like spot removal. Um, and I think that people are going to start catching up with this deck. Still might be a fine choice, but the surprise of I'm locking you out with Teferi Vivian, like, who's oh, yeah, ready for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the surprise factor is up for sure. 
Um, what was Every, the, everybody knows when you're holding Mystic up, Fertile Mystic. Yeah, like they know the deck now. It's just like mm-hmm. Mono Blue, where Mono Blue was taken off and it was winning, and then people started playing against it a lot more, so they knew how to interact with it. Um, yeah. What was your round five? <laughs> Mono Blue, actually. Yeah. Mono Blue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, the deck is actually still pretty good. Uh, we went to get, we went to game three. Um, another card that was just MVP was uh, the Wolf Chick, Friend of Wolves, Tossimer. Tossimer. So good. Yeah. So good. I mean, you get it. Like to beat Mono Blue, you want to go wide against them. For mm-hmm. for one rule, that's the rule that I've always. Played well, and then you have them. Deputy too. And which so, makes it really strong so like them because they don't have much interaction and a lot of their stuff is like negate or like spell pierce they well, have like wizard retort especially but. since like you're playing teferis too so they yes. can't flash stuff in yeah three mana teferi is really good against them and then if you have vivian out you get to flash your stuff in so you mm-hmm. can pretty much blow them out i think yep. especially when you get to fight something like little mm-hmm. gain the life like did that go to game three or did you just go 2-0 with that one no i went to game three okay um, and then last but not least, it was six rounds of FNM too, man. So I thought that was pretty cool. Six rounds. Mm-hmm. What was the last round that you had? Well, I actually just intentionally drew that round. <laughs> Whenever you're as good as Jimmy and you can top eight like that, you can intentionally draw. Well, so I was under the impression that we would play out a top eight. So I just wasn't really thinking about it. But over there, they do a top eight split, which isn't bad. I mean, it was when we finished, it was like one in the morning. We're an hour and a half away. We were kind of ready to get back. And I still won, what, 20 packs for top eight split. So I mean, we got, I got back home at like four o'clock in the morning, bro. So, I mean. Maybe it was two two when we left. Well, we did eat at the Waffle House. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, um, but I had a good time. It definitely made me like focus a lot more on my plays and I could tell where arena has affected some of my paper magic a little bit, to be honest. Um, but that being said, we wanted to do that as a tester because we have an IQ coming up on Saturday in Pensacola. So I want to talk a little bit about the mental part of it. And I don't think enough people do talk about that. And we've roomed together, and we've gone to like Atlanta and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and we've prepared for bigger tournaments, and I, we've had some success with those. Oh yeah. Um, what What's your preparation like whenever you're going to a bigger tournament, or like say you're going, we're going to this IQ this weekend. The day before, what are you doing? What What are you looking at? And as then a, the the day of when you wake up, what are you looking? You at? You know, really, just like as a whole, the day before, you just want to kind of. You want to eat right. Uh, don't definitely don't go out drinking. You don't want to be hungover the next day. Lots of rest is really important. Uh, the ne- the day of the tournament, I just, I like to eat a really healthy breakfast. Usually just fruits and nuts. Go go for a run. Really, if you just go for a run for like ten or fifteen minutes, gets all your blood flowing, gets oxygen to your brain. It's so good for you. Yeah. And and you have to think about how many people sleep in and are sluggish the first few rounds, and you can just you can take them out. Take really, them out. They're not really ready. easy. They're not. They're still half asleep. Um. So I think we started like the running thing. Like we were in an open in Atlanta one time, and I'd been going to the gym, working out, and stuff like that. That was my first open. Yeah, your first open. I'm like Jimmy, wake up. We're going for a run around the hotel. You're like, do what? And I'm like, yeah, bro. Like we're gonna get the oxygen going to our head. We're gonna be ready to go. Cause I really felt at that tournament we had the 75 like to win the thing. Yeah, I knew when we walked in, we were going to be competitive that day. So I wanted us to be mentally right. Um, I like to get some sleep the night before, which hypothetically, that sounds awesome and that sounds good. <laughs> but it seems like every time that we go somewhere, we don't get to sleep. No, the excitement's just there. We're just talking about sideboards and plays and stuff like that, getting ready. But how I would prepare for a tournament, like you said, I wouldn't stay out the night before super late. I'd wake up. And get something healthy in my belly. Don't go to McDonald's and go get the hash browns. Oh, hell and, no. And the biscuit and drink the Coke. Like, I think you need to get, like, how I usually do it, man, is I'll get, like, a banana and, like, nuts or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, like fruits and nuts are the best things you can um, get. I hydrate the day before, so that way I'm not dehydrated. You know, got the cotton mouth going on. Um, and back in the day, I would get up and go for a jog, but... I'm kind of fat now, so I don't I don't really run as much. 
but I probably need to. Like, I might try it this weekend. We'll see how the knees are feeling, you know. I got them old old sports in- injuries, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think you got to – like, I like to take a shower in the morning. Yeah, and when I'm in the shower, I mentally, like, look and see how the day is going to go. Like, how the situation's in my mind because I prepared with the testing that I've done. Like, when my opponent plays this card, I'm going to react with this. And I kind of visual, visualize those plays and have a game plan going in. And I think testing, writing sideboard notes, the eating healthy and the sleeping, I think those are all pillars of success. If you even ask the pros, that's probably some things they would say. Is there some things you think that's helped you? Because you, you've topped eight some opens and cast GPs, you know. So are those some things that day you just felt good when you walked in to go play those tournaments? Oh, yeah. I can totally tell a difference when I've gotten a lot of sleep, uh, had a really healthy breakfast, and I exercise in the morning versus when I oversleep and I'm rushed there. I didn't get that much sleep the night before. I ate like shit. Yeah. You know. Um. So the difference – in arena versus paper magic i think that this has made paper magic like people were playing worse for uh, sure oh 100 percent. i caught myself doing it um the opponent that i had was definitely doing it i was walking around the room in fnm and people were like missing triggers missing upticks on planeswalkers um like they didn't know certain board states like interactions and stuff like that that they couldn't do so i would if i was going to a tournament like an iq make sure you're watching the whole board state because i don't think anybody's doing it intentional but you're talking about you're in a new set right now and people aren't used to playing them in paper and if they're playing them on arena the system's doing it for them oh yeah for sure so what do you see some of the major differences between playing arena versus playing in paper since you know we just did that fnm friday oh just i mean just triggers people people cannot remember their triggers at all so is the meta the same as well or do you feel like it's more no i think because i think because cards are more available online versus in paper the meta is a little bit different online online i see esper midrange everywhere 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 i think i played it six times in a row the other day yeah i played it quite a bit too and actually I think that's probably the best deck in the format right now, if you had to pick one. Yeah. Um, it's just so diverse, man. They can start aggressively with heroes. They can daughter ratio on turn two, go uh, thief on turn three. They have so many plays. They can turn into a control shell like halfway in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very powerful deck right now. As far as arena versus paper goes... I'm on the same camp as you. It's harder to get paper cards. They're not readily available. Shops run out of them. Not everybody has them to trade. Or if you do want to buy them, you have to go on a website. You have to wait for them to get in. So I saw the meta being kind of like what the meta last week on Arena was on paper while we were there to a certain extent. Like I didn't see that much Esper midrange at the FNM. I saw Esper control. Yeah, I saw them on a red. I saw some of those decks, but I didn't really see the Esper mid range. Um, on arena, you can just trade in some wild cards and you can yeah. go to the deck. <laughs> now, this meta is it, and information so fast now, man. Mm. You go on Twitter, you go on like star, uh, websites like Star City, Channel Fireball, and people's got deck lists. They got sideboard notes, and anytime the pros write an article. People's gonna be. They're hopping on the bandwagon. They're, they're gonna hop on it. I mean, that's what they're gonna do. Um, that's what they get paid to do. And that's fine. I mean, there's some people out there that don't really build decks. They're more of I'm gonna net deck it and I'm gonna pilot the deck the best it can be piloted. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's gonna win you a lot of games by doing that. But there's sometimes the pros are writing a deck up and I don't think it's the right medical man. <laughs> like, I mean, there was a article on star city this past week about how Esper controls better than Esper midrange right now. And I'm disagreeing with that. I don't think that that's the case. Um, and if the meta is like, it's the wild, wild west of magic right now. Yeah. You're talking about 36 planeswalkers just got printed. You have spells coming out the woodworks. I mean, how many times, 
did you cast uh, Tossamer? And people's like, what does that do? Oh, every oh yeah, every time I casted it, they had to read it. Sometimes twice. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the stream of a guy that I like to watch stream, and he was playing against the Bant, Bant Flash deck, and they played a Tossamer, and he's like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And I'm like, I've been on that for about a week now, bro. Like, yeah, you have to read it twice to make sure that it's doing what it actually says it's doing. Yeah, I mean, and they hostage taker it, man, and you yeah. play another one? You get, I and I had it happen. They hostage taker it. I play another that one. That seems like a mistake. Yeah, I fight the hostage taker. It comes back down. Yes, I don't get to keep everything because it's legendary, and the wolf token's legendary, by the way. But then it comes back, and I get to fight again, and just wipe some board, and then go kill planeswalkers. So that you know, that's a good interaction. But there's so many cards, and I don't think you can be prepared for everything. No, you can't. Like, there's no way in this meta right now that you can be prepared for everything. I got. You, I think you just got to take your good matchups and run with them. And that's why I think Esper Midrange is really good, man. Because, first of all, they get to look at your hand. So they get to get a game plan. They look at your hand, get a game plan together of how I'm going to beat this person and how I'm going to beat this deck. And then Thief of Sandy is like the new pack rat. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you get the Thought Eraser on turn two and go Thief on turn three. And now you don't even have to play your cards. Yeah. And I think that's why it's such a good deck because it can have game versus a lot of decks. like, And that's what made me talk about the how good is the shocks of the world right now? How good is the spell pierces of the world right now? And I, I was sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking how this meta is going to shift. And it's almost a little bit like modern, man, where it's powerful spells like in the three drop slots and then you have cheap interactions like the assassin trophies of the world are better the shocks are better mm. lava coil becomes better shock is really good right now Verastus contempt is slow four mana slow absorb three mana a little slow yeah now and i think that's where the meta is shifting at and that came to me actually calling you last night, which is Wednesday, and going, hey, man, I think that Isaac Phoenix is just such a good call right now. And you were kind of surprised whenever I called with that. But the reason being is because of the cheap interaction, and, and you're playing stuff out of your graveyard where you don't care what they have in their hand. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because a pro actually wrote about is it Phoenix today? Oh, really? Yeah. So Todd Anderson wrote an article about how he thinks it's the right medical and oh, nice. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. We got a running joke here, and it's been going on for years that like when we come up with something that there's an article that comes out like soon afterwards. So they got a bug in the house. Yeah. And that that was like that whenever we were testing before, back in the day. Like we we started uh, testing one time in the garage. There's about what ten of us there. And I was playing nine mid-range at that point, but I was having problems with the super aggressive decks. And I said, man, I got to find a car that can help me turn the corner on this. And so I'm looking at my binder, looking at some other binders. I'm like, what about Blasphemous Act? I think it, I think it's pretty good with uh, Boris Reckoners. Yeah. So I sided them in and I'm like, all right, let's test this matchup. Let's get some more reps in. And everybody's testing, and all of a sudden I go, Blasphemous Act hit you for 26. And everybody stopped testing and looks and said, what did you just say? I'm like, Blasphemous Act you for 26. Oh, my God. Because I had I had creatures on the battlefield. Opponent had creatures on the battlefield. And we all looked and said, this is crazy. This is good. And you and I actually sleeved the same 75 and ran them in our sideboard uh-huh. in Atlanta for an open. Yep. Well, I'm in the top. I think we were both going undefeated that day. I'm at the top tables, and I'm sitting right beside like Todd Anderson and Brad Nelson. And all of a sudden, I hear them go blasphemous act, and they got Boris Reckoners out, and they're hitting people, and they were running on main though, so yeah. so they already knew how powerful yeah. it was. And I wish that we maybe could have came up with something, but at least we got that interaction that came with testing and seeing thinking outside the box of what can help us in a matchup. Um, but it's kind of funny to kind of see how you think the meta is going to go and then pros agree with you or 
you might read an article and it makes you think about something else. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're on the right track. So I think is it Phoenix, man? Like just the cheap interaction and shock right now to me is the MVP. It hits FIFA Sanities, it hits Heroes, it hits Growth Chamber Guardians, it hits Planeswalkers when they tap them down, like they tick them down. Oh yeah. And that's the biggest thing is that you have these Planeswalkers that are coming in on turn three, turn four, and they tack them down like a little Teferi to draw a card, and you're like, boom, you know, shock you next turn. Obviously, you can't do it EOT, but you can do it on, on your main phase. Um, what do you think about that list going forward? And I know you piloted Is It Phoenix. Is there, yes, is there I, played it, uh, I played it last season a little bit. Uh, I top-aided a couple of PPPTQs with it. Um, I really enjoy the deck. It has a new addition, um, finale of, is it Promise? I think it's Promise. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. yeah, finale of Promise. So good. And what this card does? Basically, you don't need three spells to bring back Phoenix anymore, or all your Phoenixes. You just need this card and some spells in your graveyard. So it's two red and X, and the card reads... You may cast up to one target instant card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana cost. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. If X is 10 or more, copy each the, each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. So basically how this works is, is you get to play this for two, let's just say. Um, and that counts as a spell. Yep. And then you get to bring back like a lightning strike and a chart the course and play them for free. And that counts for spell yes. number two, number three, and you get to bring back Phoenixes. Yep. I sleeved up the deck today and just to start leveling up because I felt like it was a good meta call. And I've already been blowing people out just, just by even playing an extra shock, man. An extra shock and an extra... Um, it doesn't even have to be anything else. Spell Pierce. Spell Pierce. Spell Pierce is well, really good right now. Yeah, Everybody's spell, tapping out for Spell Pierce, though, you're really not going to play with this. It's more of like you play a Lightning Strike, and then you might play like a Tormenting Voice, or you play a Lightning Strike and a, a, a uh, Chart the Course or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about for Finale. Yeah. But you're just getting extra removal. And I actually had this card come up where I had, when I had Kefnan out, too. So, like, I got to... I drew a Shock. I got the Shock. Then... Play this, or play play shock, then play this, then play another shock, and then play like a chart the course. Nice, that was a good one. Yeah, it's really good, really, really good. It's a great addition to the deck. I've actually, I think um, there's going to be some tournament results with this deck probably if the meta stays the same where it's at now. And then if this starts becoming the deck again, then obviously you're going to see some more meta changes, man. That's how it works. And it might not be decks that pop up. But it's going to be tunes to decks that are already there. Um, there were some announcements this week about the MPL. And Jerry Thompson stepped away, resigned. Old dude we already know got cut for cheating. You want to not be. Yep, got Very cut, disappointing. Got cut for cheating. I know Jimmy, that was one of his favorite pros yeah. at the time. And um, anytime somebody that you look up to or is like an inspiration to you, as far as what you're doing, gets caught doing something like that, man, it's kind of just disheartening. And I've had it happen to me in sports, so I kind of, I kind of understand where you're coming from there. But what that did is that opened two spots. And those two spots went to Savage and Jessica Estefan. And sorry if I'm butchering those names. But what caught my attention with those and why I wanted to bring it up was because those aren't really – professional level players so to speak they haven't grinded on open series or gps they haven't done any of that but they've been streaming and so this comes back to a conversation that you and i had a while ago saying magic the gathering has is changed man and if you're not a part of the change you're gonna die oh you're getting left in the dust you're gonna get left behind the reason that wizards of the coast did this by the way it's for money, people. All right, I'm a businessman. I had multiple businesses. I've owned a restaurant before. I have a real estate business now. And there's all kinds of stuff I like to put my hands in, okay? 
They did this because it's the smart business move. Why do you think that they they had all these streamers on for the Inventational? Because they wanted to get those viewers. And if they get those viewers, they're going to get sponsorships. And if they get sponsorships, they're going to get some cha-ching. <laughs> what do you feel like is the direction that they're going here as far as not putting someone in here that probably deserves it, to be honest, that's grinded out on GPs, that is very close to being a Platinum Pro, whatever. And instead of going that direction, Wizards goes the direction of these are personalities that people know and like. They're now on the MPL. Yeah, I think they're just trying to appeal to the masses, really. They want everybody to watch. Like the new players? Yeah, they want people to watch the new players, the old players. They want them to watch everybody. How do you feel that affects things going forward as far as like somebody? I know one of our goals is to try to get on the pro, the MPL. I mean, I'm one of those people who's a dreamer, man, that has a big goal that goes for it and just keeps on working, working, and working, and eventually you get there. I mean, I've had people tell me multiple times I can't do something, and you just keep your head down and you just keep on grinding, grinding, grinding. And if your goals aren't big, do you really get goals? Yeah. So I know that's one of our goals. How does that make you feel as far as that selection wasn't made off of skill set? I'm not saying these two players aren't good players. Right. Obviously, they're good players. And Savage has been, I think, a pro in chess. He's been a pro Hearthstone player, I think, at one point, something like that. I could be wrong. But they're, they're good players. But they haven't done the things that generally would make a pro player like a Reed Duke or an LSV, or somebody like that. I mean, I like it, man. I think it gives new opportunity for people who aren't in the scene like that or have the connections to play with a, a big test group. You know, they're just sitting at their house and streaming. They don't really have any friends or anything, but they can still make it, you know, all the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus somebody who falls into a crowd of all these like really really great players, they get all this you know knowledge and to, and they basically get to, I don't want to say a free ride, but it makes it a lot easier when you're surrounded by. No, it's all networking, man. I mean, yeah, there, it was there was already like a stigma of getting into the pro tour or the you know now the MPL because it's all about connections and networking. Now yeah. you do have to have a certain skill set to do it. Don't get me wrong. Oh sure, but. Like, I've seen people complaining that they got there because they're streamers and this and this and this. Yeah, but some other people got there because they knew this person and this person. And yeah. then they got results by doing it. So. I mean, they've handed out invitations to the Pro Tour for people who just weren't qualified at all. Yeah. And they get there and yeah. they play it because of who they are or who they know. Yeah. And that that's life, man. Yeah, exactly. That's life. Like, how many times do you need to network as far as your job goes or if I'm a business person and you know, I'm trying to get a deal with a certain company or they want to deal with me. They got a network for it, man. You just do. I don't, I love paper magic. Don't get me wrong. I love paper magic and I enjoy playing arena man here at the house. And I love streaming on the stream. I love it. I had fun last night, man. It's the first time I had like, Multiple chat members were all talking, discussing, had a good night. We leveled back up to a different tier. But let's be honest here. If I want to go to sleep at night, there's some very good Magic players that stream. And I can turn on their stream, bro, and I'm right to sleep. There's no entertainment value into it. No. and I mean, I'm talking about really good Magic players. Really good. Yeah, and Wizards of the Coast sees this. They're trying to get every dollar they can, people. How many of y'all have paid money on Arena just for the beginner pack? Whenever War, uh, War of the Spark came out, how many boxes did you buy? How many singles have you bought? That's what Wizards of the Coast is going to be doing. They're trying to make money, and they want you to be entertained. Just like the Best of One, the tournament that was there. I don't want to play Best of One Magic. I've been playing for 20 years. I don't play best of three. But let me tell you something. Some of those matches that day, off the top, like they're just playing off the top. It's exciting, man. And you got the right commentators like a Cedric Phillips. You got Kibler on there. I mean, there, there's an entertainment value to it. And I think that this can, if you embrace it, then this could be a good thing. 
Now, where I disagree with Wizards of the Coast set is their communication skills with their player bases is just straight up trash, man. Even whenever I'm in Mythic, right, and I'm trying to get the to top thousand, like I know I'm trying to get the to top thousand for something, but I don't really know what the <laughs> hell it is. Me being the competitor I am, I'm just trying to get the number one spot regardless. Like if they're giving away uh, a gift card to Starbucks at the end of the top thousand, like I'm trying to be the number one guy to get the Starbucks thing, just so I can be like I was number one Mythic player. Oh yeah, so. I get that aspect of it, but they got to start communicating a lot better, Jimmy, because I want to know how do I get on the MPL? I want to know how do I become a sponsored streamer? I want to know when I'm playing and where I'm playing if I get top 1,000. And then if I do qualify for the other tournament, I, like, I want to know all these things. Like They just announced that a t the tiebreaker for the, t the top 1,000 to try to get into the Mythic Championships is based on your mythic rank. That's the tiebreaker. So, like, if we get paired, like, in round four or whatever, and multiple people get in, and it's based off tiebreakers, because you're ranked number 150, and I was ranked number 151, you win. Really? I didn't know that. Nobody knew it. <laughs> so, all the people who was sitting there grinding that day, trying to get the mythic, they probably would have... Maybe not took a break, and they would have went for, like, the highest spot they could possibly get to because he want the tiebreaker. Yeah. So that's just crazy to me. I think they need to start working on their communication some. Well, this whole, you know, arena with qualifying, you know, is, is a new experience altogether. So I'm sure it's a learning process for them and everybody, really. So speaking of a new segment we have on the show, we have a new segment, and it is called the punt of the week. So the punt of the week is going to be where Jimmy and I discuss a play or plays that we've made, whether it be on arena or it be in paper that we just straight up punted. And it's probably going to be a little bit easier for me to do because Jimmy's a good player. Um, yeah. And he's not, and, and he's <laughs> right. not going to admit when he punts anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm going to be straight up and honest with you. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the punt. I'm just going to go get the NFL football. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to kick that damn thing a block away. Like, if I punt, I'm punting, all right? So my punt of the week for me was against this, the Simic mid-range deck, man, on Friday, bro. So I didn't know that the little illusions didn't tap my dude down. My guys had vigilance. When that dude told me to tap my dudes down, they don't tap. I should have told him to kick rocks, bro. Your dude, <laughs> your your O2s are dead now, and I got lethal next turn, but I didn't. So then I'm battling my way, and, and by the way, the dude top deck like three turns later, his Hydra is crisis to get back in the game. Okay, so it cost me the game. So then the game's going. I, I, I draw into my time wipe that I need. Play my time wipe. I pick up a damn growth chamber guardian. I got a. Deputy detention with a news on it. I would have won the game there too. Yeah. I would have won the game. I just grabbed my deputy. His ooze, is, ooze comes out. They're all destroyed. Lethal. I'm like, I'm like, past turn. You can't beat me, bro. I win 1 0. <laughs> but no, I felt like, like I went the line that, how do I lose this game? That's, that was my line of play. So that's my pun of the week. What you got for yours, Jimmy? You know, it's probably not necessarily one. Do you know what I keep doing? What? I keep letting people play a damn Teferi when I'm holding up a flash spell. It's happened so many times. <laughs> I'm, just, like, I'm like, yeah, resolve. Yeah, resolve. And, and then I'm oh, like, yeah. EOT crit. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it keeps happening. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what my problem is. I don't know. It's not going to happen this weekend, though. So if you're playing against me this weekend... Believe me, I'm going to be He's not letting it. their Deferi's resolve. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's flashing something in. See, I told him I told him his pun of the week was plusing his little Teferi too damn much. No, I mean, my negging it. Yeah, no, I, no, I've been doing too that too. I've been doing that. I've been trying to just get the card off of it, and then they're like, Thief of Sanity, and I just look like... Yeah, I've ass. learned that. <laughs> like, I've gotten punished for that, so, so I learned my lesson. If I'm playing Teferi against certain colors, I'm like, plus. I'm just going to keep the static ability on. And keep on plusing it until I can neg it and still bounce something. Because I know what you're trying to do, bro. You're trying to play the little three drop that comes in and steals all my stuff. Yeah. I'm out. You ain't doing it to me. 
Um, so that's the punt of the weeks. If y'all want to get online and share your punts, man, we'll post them and we'll talk about them on next week's podcast. Please do. Yeah, we don't don't make us feel like we're the only ones who punt because we know we ain't. No. I mean, I saw some good players punt this past I'm week. I'm probably the king of punt. You can Google my punts. Google them. <laughs> you can. Google, Google Jimmy Smith punts and see what yeah. comes up. So, what we're going to do now is talk about where the meta... Like, where do we go from here? We talked about the meta and where we thought it was going to go. I think some of those changes we talked about is coming around. Um, it's still not there yet. I said something about two-color decks starting to take over. Hasn't got there yet. But I did say something about some cheap interaction spells coming. That yeah. has that has uh, came true. Where do we go from here, man? What's, what's it looking like? You know, I would... Last week, I was a lot higher on the Bant mid-range deck. Now, now it's just... I feel, it just feels too grindy for me, personally. Um, I, I think I'm going to agree with you, man. The two-color decks are looking really, really good. I like the blue-black blue, uh, the blue -black control Demir. deck. Yeah, yeah, the Demir deck. Phoenix seems really good. Blue-red Phoenix. Yeah, I guess I kind of was right about the two. There is more two-color uh, decks out there than I thought. Yeah, mono-white. Right? I don't know if any of y'all played against mono-white. Mono-white is still just as good as it has been. I, uh, if not better, cry, cry no, is on cry, the low. Yeah, on the low, and Kai's Wrath are on the low. Yeah, because everybody's battling Planeswalkers. Right I now. love Mono White, man. Yeah. That's a deck that I used a lot to get the Mythic whenever I was there last yeah, time. Yeah, Mono White is strong. Um, and there's draws with that Mono White deck that you're just not going to beat if you're if you're playing Tap Lands. Oh yeah, you're just not going to beat it. Yeah, you're just not. Um, there's some new decks out there. So one of one of my I'm kind of proud of this one. One of my sleeper cards was Command the Dreadhorde. You're starting to see some Command the Dreadhorde yeah. decks come out there, bro. And let me tell you, when you don't know it's coming, they're hitting you with it. They're getting everything back, and people aren't knowing what to do. Um, I've seen a lot of the Azorius Control deck out there, where they're playing the land that comes in, and you um. Get to gain life if it's with a if you cast a planeswalker. What do you know what that land's called? I it is don't the Interplanar Beacon. So you get to use it for a colorless mana, or you can use uh, pay one colorless and add any two if you cast a planeswalker. But you get to gain a life anytime a planeswalker's going on. And then there's been like Jeskai Super Friends decks popping up. Oh, I have seen that one. So. I mean, there. If you want to play something, it's out there, man. Oh yeah, there's something for everybody. Every play style, whatever colors you like to play. Um, and you can't be ready for it all. So I think. So what I think is going to happen with the meta, and we're going to make this a little bit short. Um, I think that you're going to start seeing these decks with cheap interaction come to the forefront. Asper mid range is going to be. One of the decks that um, you see come up to the top in Paper Magic. Um, the Bant deck, I think, is going to start trickling away. You're going to see Phoenix come back. Um, Mono White, I think, is going to have good results. All these decks that can be super consistent with mana bases, I think you're going to see them come up to fruition next week. I think when we look at the Open or whatever's going on next, I think you're going to see a lot of those decks. What's your thoughts on that? I'm pretty excited to play Phoenix this weekend. I think I'm locked in on it. You're locked in? Yeah. Stone Cold Lock. Yeah. All right. So that brings me forward to we have an IQ on Saturday in Pensacola. Yep. We're going to it. That's Two right. people get an invite. If we come back on this podcast next week and both of us got the invite, I'm be pretty stoked. Oh yeah, honestly, if just one of us get an invite, I'll be oh really yeah, excited. yeah, for sure. Anytime we go to an event, if if somebody that rides with us or like a teammate, we so so to speak wins, like I feel like I win. Oh yeah, definitely. So what are you going to be taking this Saturday? I think I'm actually I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure I'm taking Phoenix Blue You're Red Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. So if I had the cards, and I already told you this, if I had the cards, I'd probably go take Phoenix. And, and you know that usually when we go somewhere, we're taking the same 75 for the yeah. most part. But I called you last night and like, Jimmy, 
I think you need to I think you need to play Phoenix, man. And I think you're gonna go snipe it, bro. I, I really do. I think you're gonna go snipe it. I think you're gonna have good matchups all day. I think shock like your shocks are gonna be MVPs. They're gonna be so good. Might play four shocks and one Shivan fire. Might. It's at least gonna be in the board. <laughs> at least in the board. So as far as what I'm gonna sleeve up on Saturday, if I can find Phoenix, like if it just falls out the sky for me. I got reps with the deck. I'll probably take it. If not, man, I think I'm going to the dark. I, I think I'm going to the dark side, man. I would play Esper mid range. I think I'm going to sleeve up Esper mid range yeah. and I'm going to go try to win it. Yeah, it's just so strong. It has all the best cards. You can change gears. You it's can awesome. Take people's stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a good deck. You can play it to fairies. I mean, you can do everything pretty much. You can make tokens. You can do everything. Anything yeah. you want, you can do it. No, really. It's a really strong deck. But we appreciate everybody again for taking the time to listen to us. We couldn't do any of this stuff without you guys. Um, if you got any comments for us, check us out on uh, Anchor. You can leave your comments there. That's where the podcast is at. Now, we can, you can actually see our podcast or listen to our podcast on Spotify, on Google, and Anchor right now. So nice. we got a couple different things we can do. Um, if you want to comment about the Comcast, Jimmy's not streaming yet, as of yet. It's coming soon. My man's got to sling a couple more drinks to get his computer ready. <laughs> um, but you can check me out at twitch.tv slash saltyj, S-A-L-T-I-E underscore J. And we can talk about the podcast. We can talk about them. We can talk whatever y'all want, man. I mean... I'm doing something on Mondays where it's full tilt Monday. You tell me a card to play, and I just got to play it. I mean, so if you want to see anything played, you just come to stream and say, hey, bro, it's full tilt Monday. You got to sleeve this up, and I'm in, and I'll go on full tilt. I'll get the salt out, and we'll, and we'll do our thing. So we appreciate everybody. Jimmy, good luck on Saturday, bro. Yeah, you too. And, I'm, of course, I think we'll see some of y'all there. Oh, definitely. I'm really excited. Thanks again, everybody. All right. This is the Top Deck Podcast. Y'all have a great, great weekend.